Hey, it's Tony Messia with the Charlotte Ledger, and you're listening to the Charlotte Ledger Podcast. We talk with Charlotte leaders about important and interesting issues with an eye toward making you smarter, telling you things you don't know, and introducing you to people with insights about trends in Charlotte. You can find out more about the Charlotte Ledger and subscribe to one of our newsletters by going to thecharlotteledger.com. Today, I'm happy to have with us Geraldine Gardner. She's the executive director of the Centralina Regional Council. We're going to talk about a big issue in the Charlotte area, transit planning. She's at the center of that effort. Her organization, along with a lot of people from around the Charlotte region, as well as other transit planning agencies, developed a plan called Connect Beyond. And it outlines how the Charlotte region can be better connected through transit, which is going to be vitally important as our area continues to grow. Geraldine, thanks for joining me today. Thanks for having me. Well, I'm happy to have you on and to have the chance to talk to you because I'd like to understand what's going on with the future of transit in the Charlotte region and to try to break it down in plain English. Because a lot of times, as you know, transportation planners and policymakers, sometimes they sort of slide into, into lingo. It's a, it's a complicated topic, to be sure. Sometimes people look yeah. at it and say, well, it's just we're talking about light rail and it's a transit plan. But it, it's really not just light rail. We're talking about bus service. We're talking about greenways. We're talking about, you know, sidewalks, roads, connecting it all. And so, you know, I think it's good to be able to try to break that down. I'm excited to have you on to try to do that. Specifically, I want to talk about Connect Beyond and what it is and why that's important. And part of the reason that I think that's especially interesting right now is that as Charlotte looks to build out a, a transit plan, a mobility network, the city and the supporters of the plan, they're increasingly recognizing it needs to be a regional approach. And I know that's something you've been working on, you know, that Charlotte can't just dictate to other counties and to the state legislature what it wants to have happen. And you know, Connect Beyond has been identified as sort of providing the structure for that future effort. So if we could just sort of get straight into it, can you sure. explain in plain English, what is Connect Beyond and why should people care about it? Great. Well, I appreciate you wanting to break down this really complex topic into easy to understand terminology and, and approaches. And at the heart, Connect Beyond is a vision for how people in our region can move across the region to destinations, to their place of work, to healthcare, to educational opportunities by using different means of getting around, different modes of transportation, walking, biking, taking transit, using their vehicle, going on a carpool, um, just different choices. So Connect Beyond is really about how can we expand the choices in our region so that people don't solely have to rely on traveling with their car to get from point A to point B. And at the same time, we're trying to build mobility-friendly communities so that our small towns and cities and counties and, and basically all the places in our region are growing and developing, thinking about how people are going to move within those communities and then how we're connecting those communities across the region. That's what it is in, in very simple terms. Okay, that's the 30,000 foot yeah. view. And I know there's a lot of particulars, but the main thing is, the main question I think a lot of people have is how do we go about getting that done? I mean, don't you think a lot of people agree with that vision? We'd all like to be more connected. I think everybody agrees we need better bus service. We need different ways of getting around. You know, the traffic's getting bad out there. Uh, as it is, it's projected only to get worse. But how do we actually make it happen? 
Yeah, well, it all starts with the vision. And I think our peer metros or regions across the country have really relied on having a strong and compelling vision that people can rally behind and get behind. I think in our region, what makes the implementation of that vision so complex is that we have so many different uh, stakeholders and structures for planning and operating these different systems. And Connect Beyond was really the first effort to bring all of these stakeholders together. And I I find it really interesting lately in the media that there's been this uh, coverage of how all of a sudden the city of Charlotte wants to make uh, their vision regional when from the beginning of Connect Beyond, the city of Charlotte through CATS and their role on the MTC has been a key partner in bringing regional stakeholders to the table to create a regional vision. And in fact, uh, Connect Beyond takes at its heart the CATS 2030 plan. So the whole framework for how we achieve this vision was built on a strong partnership with the city of Charlotte. So how we get to implementation is by thinking about what is it that all of our stakeholders across the region need? I mean, if you look at the constellation of organizations that made up Connect Beyond, it's really quite amazing. We had two different states, 12 counties, six different fixed route providers like CATS or um, the Salisbury Rowan transit system. And then we had 11 community transportation providers. So that's the on-demand county uh, transit providers that that go pick up older adults in the region, for example, and, and bring them to a medical appointment. That's a lot of different organizations with different boards, different budgets, different priorities. And then you layer in on top of it, the transportation planning organizations that were also a major partner of Connect Beyond. You know, we have three different MPOs or metropolitan planning organizations in our region, all with their own stakeholders, all with their own budgets, all with their own priorities. So the first way that we start to make progress in implementation is by taking the the great collaboration that we had during the planning process and continuing to build on those relationships and think about, okay, how do we continue this collaboration? For example, if we've got six different transit providers all providing service in the region, what does that mean for a rider who can't understand how to get from point A to point B because there's no one system that will allow them to plan that trip? Or if they have to buy multiple tickets because they cross multiple transit providers, that's not going to make it convenient for them. And we have the opportunity through Connect Beyond implementation to bring those transit providers together and talk about, all right, can we look at regional fare scheduling? Can we look at integrated ticketing? These are all recommendations that are in Connect Beyond. And so it's this combination of regional collaboration and starting to build the infrastructure in place um, through that collaboration so that individuals ultimately it's easier for them to make different choices. Because ultimately at the end of the day, we can do all of this, but if we're not facilitating and supporting people in our region making a different choice in their transportation, then then we're doing all of this for naught. Yeah, I mean, that sounds like you're outlining what sounds like it should be some easy wins, just coordinating some schedules, fares, a single pass to get from Salisbury into Charlotte or, or whatever whatever it is, right? Is that what you're saying? It is. And there are a lot of major 
major metros that we compete with for talent. Uh, we c- compete with them for, for business opportunities that have figured this out, right? right. Um, and so there are really good models. And part of, I think, the, the great thing about Connect Beyond is that it really, you know, we, we, sh- we shone a bright light on the fact that there are some things that we can do in the short term while we're working on these big, challenging infrastructure problems that we have that will build out the system that we know we need to have. We need people to ride, right? We, we need people to make a choice. And if the ridership's not there, then there's not going to be support for those other, you know, billion dollar investments. Yeah. I mean, let's get people used to being able to ride transit in a way that's easy and effective and gets them where they want to go and they don't have to wait 45 minutes for a bus that may or may not come I in, mean, the that's right, in the rain <laughs> right with nowhere to sit um yeah and then uh, you want them to have a good experience but how does it work with the bigger plan and i know we talked a little bit about regionalism and the connect beyond and the work that you're doing you know is has been regional from the start but, but i think that one of the reasons that the media is focusing now yes do we like a headline that says new focus regionalism yeah that's probably <laughs> true that's probably some of it but it's actually isn't it that you know a couple of years ago you had this committee uh, chaired by former charlotte mayor harvey gant that said okay here we, we've got this plan together the Char- it's called the charlotte moves plan which has now become the transformational mobility network plan, I believe. And, you know, and it said, listen, here's how we're going to do it. In 2021, we're going to go to the legislature. We're going to ask for a sales tax increase. Here's how much it would cost to build out the light rail. Here's how much it would cost to improve the bus systems and greenways. And that seems like that hasn't really moved forward very much. They haven't asked the legislature for it. They're still trying to build some of that consensus regionally. And so the, the outlying counties, I think, are now seen as more critical to that bigger effort, maybe in a way that they weren't before. How do we get that to happen? What do these outlying counties want for this big, I'm not going to call it a Charlotte transit plan, the Charlotte-centered transit plan for our the Charlotte region? How What do the outlying counties want? And how do we get them on board with some of these bigger steps? Well, I think we can't have a strong mobility system if we don't have a strong center city transit system. I think the the nature of our region is that, you know, it's a it's a hub and spoke model. People still travel into the center city, although that's been changing in the pandemic. But the type of jobs that we have in the center city, the type of movement that we have throughout the region from people living in one county and working in another, like those are the fundamental realities that that this plan is dealing with. And I think when it comes to our out our our counties and the central line region, which I can speak for, which is the nine counties of, of Greater Charlotte, not what's happening in South Carolina. I think there's a there's an optimism and a recognition that people do need different choices. But there's also a lot of other competing priorities in those counties that that our leaders are are juggling, schools, roads, transit. And so I think like all elected officials are trying to balance what they're hearing from their constituents and the needs of their communities, while also trying to understand how we move a regional vision forward. And, you know, part of our job at the Central Line of Regional Council is to be that platform for those elected officials to come together and have those tough conversations. And that's one of the reasons why our board set up an advancing the plan subcommittee, which um, is, is just starting to get, uh, you know, some build some momentum behind it. That will be the vehicle for our county officials to sit down with the city of Charlotte, to sit down with some of our major uh, cities uh, and towns in the region to really do the rolling up the sleeves and, and talking about 
about how do we speak with one voice as a region to our our partners and our lawmakers in Raleigh? How do we engage in these conversations around the structures for ongoing partnership and collaboration so that this work that we've been building up just doesn't fizzle out once the plan is over? Right. Mm-hmm. We, we owe it to ourselves to continue these conversations. And our job as an organization is to be that platform for those two to happen in. Do you see any of these outlying counties putting in any money for this Charlotte centric transit plan with light rail and all that? I don't know. That's going to be up to the voters to decide. I think our job is to make sure that we're making the business case um, for why this is an important investment. And if you look at where our highest growth, highest wage jobs are uh, in this region, you know, we really have to recognize that we make things in central in the Central Line region, right? Where we have the knowledge economy, but we also have the production economy. We're a you know a major center for advanced manufacturing, for logistics and distribution. Those industries need roadway capacity. Right. If we're moving, if we're making things, we got to get them to market. And so there's an economic argument to be made for getting people the single, you know, single driver car off the road to free up that capacity so that our economy can move. And so I think it's also about sort of framing. You know, I talk a lot about like what is the compelling argument that's going to bring people out and support this type of investment. And that's going to be different depending upon where you are in the region. And those are the conversations that we're going to be having. Yeah, it sounds like a big part of your role is education and sort of getting the word out and raising awareness. How do you make the case to people who might not care about transit? I mean, as you know, Charlotte, Mecklenburg County, very, I mean, certainly the outlying counties too, certainly um, very car centric. You know, the percentage of people commuting in a car is something like 80% of all trips somewhere around there, maybe a little higher. You know, how do you make the case to them that this is something that affects them? Like what? what's, if you live in Valentine and you commute to University City, you know, it's not probably not a great way to get there by bus, at least at the moment. Those people are driving. How do you how do you reach them and say, look, this is something that's important to our region? What's the message? I think there's a couple different messages. One is that economic one that I was talking about before. How do we support our, our growing industries? Another one is that will be important to some some people is around equity and inclusion. You know, there are some people who in our region who can't afford to have a car. And if you look at the latest statistics, over half of household income in our region is spent on either housing or transportation. We can't do much about the housing market. Right. We're pretty limited in our toolbox in the state um, and in the region. Um, but we certainly can think about how we help households control the cost of transportation. Right. So by offering more choices that are cheaper, by building more um, uh, jobs closer to home, that's the, the land use part of this, um, we can start to move the needle on that. So, so there's that argument. There's also at some point, and we've seen this in other regions, individuals reach a certain pain point in their own commute when they're willing to explore other choices. And that commuter component to this argument, I think, is really important, too. And that's one of our major efforts in implementation right now is around a transportation demand management program. And that's just kind of a 
fancy way of saying, how do we improve the commute for our workers? Um, so that there's a whole range of tools and programs and solutions that we're just beginning to explore that we can really reach those commuters to say, you know what, you, you might be concerned about taking a commuter bus downtown or uptown to your job because what happens if your kid gets sick and you need to get home? Well, there are solutions for that. And that's part of that TDM programming. So it's it's education, it's, it's communication, but it's also recognizing that everyone's entry point for supporting this type of investment is going to be different. And it's our responsibility to, you know, create that mosaic of different solutions that is really going to appeal to, to, to the voter and to decision makers. No, that, that makes a lot of sense. And, you know, one of the things in a lot of these discussions, whether it's about transit or land use or affordable housing, you know, like you mentioned, is that a lot of times this discussion, it seems like people don't realize that these are problems that are going on all over the country. You know, all kinds of cities are dealing with a, the same issue. And the thing that I sometimes find annoying is that we had sometimes have a discussion like we're completely reinventing the wheel here. But what are some examples from other cities that we might be able to emulate? I mean, what, how do other cities solve this issue? Yeah, that's a, it's a really important question. And, and cities across the globe, are, are struggling with this too. So I I lived in worked in Washington D.C. before I moved to Charlotte about four years ago, and you know I take the the example that I just gave of the mom who has to commute into her work wants to have that vehicle because she's a caregiver and if her child or if her you know parent needs her to go back and help them during the workday she needs that peace of mind to be able to to make that trip and usually that's in a car in DC where I came from there was a really robust commuter choices network and if you your employer participated in this program if you ran into that issue do, then you got a free Uber ride wherever you needed to go. And that made the choice easier for parents and caregivers to take transit. That's that's just one example. Um, in other places, you know, especially in Europe, you see city leaders and urban planners and transportation planners building transportation facilities that have a bus, you know, a, a place for the bus to pull up, a place that has e-bikes that part of bike sharing, scooter sharing, you know, the, these multimodal transit hubs that are really a key recommendation in our plan. How do we plan it so that multiple modes of transportation are coming into one place? And if you take a bus in to, you know, into Uptown or into Concord, for example, you can get on a bike and go that extra half mile to your job and still not have to be in your car. So I think all of this, where we're seeing really best practices in other places, they're really putting the user or the, the, the person at the center of the planning process. It's not about just line, you know, implementing lines on a map. It's about thinking how the individual, what is going to be reduce their barriers to taking transit? What is going to make that experience easy, convenient, and safe? And those are the places that I think are being uh, the most innovative and the most successful uh, in solving this, and then also leveraging technology and being really adaptable to how technology can help change the experience. Yeah, no, I mean, I think that that sounds like that makes a lot of sense. It is sort of surprising. We have so many people 
who moved to the Charlotte region from somewhere else and have presumably had experiences in Washington, D.C. or New York or or wherever. I mean, my, my first job out of college was in Washington, D.C., lived in Arlington. You'd take the bus to the Pentagon and then transfer to the Metro to go into D.C. It was about 45 minutes maybe each way. And that was just that was just commonplace. Everybody, you know, not everybody, but a lot of people did that. But, you know, the buses were packed. The metros were packed. Yes, it's a bigger city, higher density, I, I suppose. But it, it seems like we should be able to to make some progress on on some of these issues here. What's the next step? How do we how do we get it to happen? Yeah. So we I mentioned that advancing the plan committee that we're will be kicking off in January. Right now, we're in the process of um, working with each of our communities and on the North Carolina side of the Connect Beyond uh, study area. So the the counties and cities in the Central Carolina region um, will be launching that plan and really starting that work in earnest uh, in January. And that will be primarily focused on these these conversations around funding, as you mentioned, partnerships. You know, in the Connect Beyond planning process, we looked at different models of uh, collaboration and integration across our transit services. Everything from, you know, interoperability agreements where all the different transit systems remain independent, but there's, you know, opportunities and um, sort of uh, agreements for how they're going to work together all the way on the other end of the spectrum for a fully integrated regional transit authority. So we're going to be picking back up those conversations. Um, The TDM work is huge that I talked about before. How do we um, help commuters make different choices using um, some technology and working with employers to leverage the tools and the resources and the systems that we have in place now? Another big initiative we'll be working on with CATS and some of our transit um, agencies in the region in the spring will be a regional fare study. So that gets into that ticketing and and trip planning, right? So that's, if we can start to make some progress on that, again, we're helping to improve the experience. And then, of course, our um, the work that Central Alina does around education, uh, around supporting our communities as they think about land use planning and how to build communities that are more mobility friendly. So those are just a few examples of the things that we're doing. I mean, this is a this is a vision plan to 2045. So, <laughs> right, we, we can't, have our we can't ask you why haven't we done this yet? Why exactly? What, what are you doing next year? Can it all be implemented next year? And and you'll notice we're not starting. I mean, we're going to be supporting and uh, the you know the expansion of the Silver Line extensions and the conversations that are ongoing right now about the Red Line. Um, so the fixed route transit is a very much important part of the vision uh, that Connect Beyond has. But one of our major recommendations is about building a better bus network. Um, And you don't need to do that and spend billions of dollars. Those are some of the things that we talked about around, you know, trips, uh, trip planning and fairs and collaboration that can make that experience better. And are the people that you talk to, the transit agencies, the policymakers, the companies, are are they on board with this? I mean, I know they were, you know, involved a lot in, in some of them in some of these discussions. I mean, what's the reaction you've been getting? Absolutely. I mean, we had incredible participation by our metropolitan planning organizations to do, you know, roads and other types of, of transportation planning. We had fantastic participation in the planning process from our transit systems. I mean, transit is a tough business right now, especially coming out of the pandemic. It is not easy to, you know, run a system, to have to uh, navigate all the federal funding responsibilities, to be rider-centric and rider-supported 
active while, while also, you know, managing the workforce and in a lot of cases, boards that have really high expectations. And so I think having that platform for the for those transit agencies to connect with each other is really important to think about well where can we where can we help each other right you know procurement buying buses if you're a small transit agency in the region and you have to buy 10 buses for your fleet how much more buying power would you have if all six agencies were working together to buy buses right they'll probably be cheaper they might be higher quality that's again on the business side of collaboration but at the end of the day, it helps the rider and it builds a better system for all of us in the region. So there's lots of different things we can be doing. Um, there's 150 recommendations in this plan. So <laughs> okay, you can there's take them lots bit by to bit. do. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Well, great. Well, thanks. That sounds like a good place to end things. If people want to uh, find out more about Connect Beyond or, or your work, uh, where can they go? Yeah, so um, our website, uh, centralina.org, uh, has all of the links to uh, our Connect Beyond plan, to our partners in the region, and the plan itself uh, also has a website as well. It's connect-beyond.org, but you can definitely get to that off um, our site. Very good. Well, thanks a lot. That's a wrap. Geraldine, thanks for sharing your insights. Thank you. To our listeners, thank you for listening. The Charlotte Ledger podcast is produced by Lindsay Banks. You can find out more about the Charlotte Ledger at thecharlotteledger.com, including our weekly newsletter, Transit Time.